We all know and share a healthy fear of snakes. They live under rocks and slither on their bellies to get around. But there are actually dozens of snake species that don't live on land at all. Instead, they've taken to the sea, and many of them never grace the ground. The yellow-bellied sea snake rides the waves all over the world. Despite their name, they are no cowards. They're the most widely distributed snake species on Earth. Adapting your body and habits to take the world by storm is the sea snake's way in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. And, uh, and I'm Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joe. And you're Carlos. Yes, we knew that. And I'm Thank Carlos. you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie and Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check it out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about a reptile whose lady is the sea. But more on that later. One true love is the sea. Mm-hmm. And he will go sailing no more. Those are different songs, but he yep. will go sailing a lot more. Go sailing beyond the sea no more. Actually, both Somewhere Beyond the Sea is about not sailing anymore. And then... The uh, Randy Newman song is also about sailing no more. But what about Brandy, which is about continuing to sail and not settling down? Is that what that's about? That's yeah, yeah. Haven't you seen uh, um, Guardians of, Gal- of the Galaxy two? Yeah, once. He explains the meaning of that song in that. Yeah, I probably my brain probably turned off once the story stopped about. 20 minutes into the movie and then picked up at 20 minutes before the end. I'm not trying to get canceled, so we're going <laughs> to we're going <laughs> to cut out you not liking Guardians of the Galaxy. Look, 2. it's Chris Pratt. Uh he's already canceled, so for playing a Mario. Um yep, but we're talking about the yellow-bellied sea snake. The the cowardly coils. <laughs> it's also known as the pelagic sea snake, but we're going to call it here the cowardly coils. Uh, the serpentine surface sipper. Uh, and the ironic islander. I was, uh, there's a poet's name that I'll mention later. I was trying to figure out a way to, to incorporate it in, and I, I couldn't. I'm just not clever enough today. What's his name? Samuel Taylor Coleridge. <laughs> Cowardly Coleridge, but I don't want to make fun of Samuel Taylor Coleridge. <laughs> what, but, what does he have to do with this snake? You don't know. That's the problem. I Well, yeah, he has nothing to do with a snake, but he has everything to do with writing the poem uh, Water, Water Everywhere, But Not a Drop to Drink. Gotcha. That's in, that'll More on that later. Which is not the name of the poem. It's uh, The name of the poem is the... Uh, um, the, or the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Interesting. But that's just a famous line from it. Uh, 
but the, and that's why I've called it the ironic islander because it's ironic that it's that the sea snake is constantly surrounded by water, but not being a fish or a cetacean can't drink it. Very but, true. But more on that later. But yeah. right, what we're gonna do more of right now is talk about my animal encounter for the week. Um, so this morning. Uh, I was just um, sitting in the backyard watching my son stumble around drunkenly on our patio trying to stop him from uh, picking up dog poop. Drunkenly as in the way babies are always drunk? No, he's being a baby. No, he's actually drunk. We just we 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 feed him lots and lots of absinthe uh, every morning (laughs) before uh, 830 and um and so, and then we just like to watch him walk around after that. It is funny. It's, it's harder. Of, all, it, it's hard for him to begin with. So it can only get funnier. Right. Exactly. Uh, life, life is just, uh, it's just hard right now with all of the, the very little sleep we're getting. So we might as well make it entertaining for ourselves by having an inebriated child. <laughs> just kidding. We don't, <laughs> he's not actually drunk in case you're missing it. Uh, he just, his barely learning how to walk and is stumbling around holding a cup of water um more irony yes lots of drops to drink anyway two dogs showed up just into my yard i need a fence because this is now the fourth dog and there were also two cattle that came into our yard (laughs) so um definitely need a fence that's happening soon um they're just expensive anyway two dogs showed up um, one of them was a s- small old cocker spaniel. The old, other one was this bigger like hound mutt, um, and they were just kind of hanging out with each other. But the cocker spaniel was moving really, really slowly. Um, so I walked to the cocker spaniel, and it kind of got surprised. I think it's partially blind. Um, but anyway, I I came up and got and got got him, and then the the other dog. Uh, was kind of shepherding the cocker spaniel, I guess, self self proclaimed protector. Maybe they were together wherever they were before, um, but they were just like they were a mess. Like they were soaking wet and and uh, covered in like little little burrs and stickers from the forest and whatnot. Oh, so um, they've been like gallivanting for a while. Yeah, or at least like a. It seemed like maybe a couple days or something like that. Um, which isn't the first time we've seen a dog in this condition. So whenever we f- see a dog, like a stray in the neighborhood, like we usually try to like pick it up um, and see if it's seems um, uh, domesticated or like we just, it's just nearby. And the last dog we found was belonged to a house, just four houses down. So that, that worked out really nicely. But these two, we immediately brought them, it, the the only way the big dog would stop just r- walking away from us and circling around is if we opened up our front door. So we went inside front door, and we brought them both in, and we were just putting pictures of them up online and stuff. And um, and then I started trying to take them for a walk and uh, just to see if there was anybody in the neighborhood that wanted them. And the big dog rolled over, and I have never seen this many fleas. Probably Oof. in my life altogether, but like, put like definitely never seen a dog with this many fleas. It was disgusting, and so I'm like, 
frantically scrape, trying to scrape the fleas off this dog, which if you've ever dealt with fleas on a dog, you know that like trying to scrape them off like that is, is futile. Some of them are coming off, but they really like know how to dig their way in there and, and avoid being being scratched off. I mean, that's that's their whole shtick as fleas uh, is to not get scratched off. So um, I was like, well, darn it. Both of these dogs have been in, were in my house for like 15 minutes. Um, so I brought them out to the backyard and, and the other dog, the Cocker Spaniel was, there were even more fleas on that one. Um, so I was just washing them and stuff and, um, and I felt so bad for them. Uh, anyway, so I washed them and sprayed them with flea stuff and, um, and now my yard is infested with fleas and my house, my downstairs has had a bunch of fleas. We killed them with spray and stuff but um now we have to have the yard treated we took the dogs to the shelter um hopefully they get recognized by their owner if their owner was good um if not hopefully hopefully they get uh, adopted after a week the owner has a week to to pick them up and then they're uh, they go up for adoption but they're older dogs so you know i'm just hoping that they get picked up yeah but man that was that was so many fleas. I feel like I have fleas on me right now. Like I'm, I just if you see me itching, it's that it's because of that. It's because <laughs> I have never ever seen a stray dog that was willing for me to come close to it. Every once in a while, there's a dog in the neighborhood that's just wandering around the street, and I'll try to approach it, and it'll just like take off. The, the last one I saw was a big old black dog um, that would not let me get close to it at all. Um, but this one, it, it was the big the big dog was kind of shadowing this small dog that moved real the small old partially blind dog that was just not able to move very quickly. So as soon as I like went knelt down and pet that dog he kind of freaked out and then sat down and laid down because he didn't know what was going on and then the other dog just circled around me uh and so that's how we got both of them otherwise i don't think we would have ever gotten that bigger dog hmm. but and then i had to uh, my uh, my car my van is has fleas in it there's just dead fleas everywhere and hopefully not too many live ones and they're the worst we should do the flea <laughs> <laughs> On our, uh, they on, are on crazy. Yeah, they they're they're terrible. They them and ticks and bed bugs and just and and chiggers and mites, just they they have their place in the food chain. But man, I I don't like them. No, I don't. But anyway, that's my that's my animal story for the week. An interesting Happened. animal story. You got any descriptions? Yes. So it's time to taxonomize this, Captain. What does science say? Science says it's in the kingdom you know, love, and are in Animalia. The phylum is Chordata. The class is Reptilia. The order, Squamata. Same as lizards. Suborder is Serpentes. Not the same as lizards. Snakes. Uh, the family is Elapidae. They're, it's an Elapid. Uh, the genus is Hydrophis. Hydrophis, and then the species is Platurus. So the binomial nomenclature is Hydrophis Platurus. Cool. 
But since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show, Critter Groups. Part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal, or what is the term of entry, or what is the collective noun? It's all the same. If you saw a group of yellow-bellied sea snakes, or just snakes in general, um, would you say it's A, a slither of snakes, B, a den of snakes, C, a pit of snakes, or D, a shale of snakes? heard a pit of vipers i'm gonna go with a slither of snakes it's just on the nose enough to be the actual name is that your final answer it is incorrect the answer was den okay i should have known a den of vipers yeah i think that i think that's the biblical thing i don't think it's a pit of vipers the pharisees were a pit of vipers i think they were den of vipers right yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vi- there are pit I've heard vipers. Both. There's pit, but vi- yeah, there's pit vipers. Mm-hmm. And Jesus called the, the Pharisees a den of vipers. Yes. So, or a brood of vipers. Oh. I bet you that's something else. I don't know. Yeah. We're we are exposing. I'm exposing how little I have this memorized. <laughs> But yes, it's a den of snakes. There's lots of, uh, there are several terms of entries for snakes, so it's been a, a nice well to come back to. But, do you want to talk about what this thing looks like? Sure. Sure, yeah, yeah, sounds like a good idea. I mean, that's that part of the show. Um, so this is a you medium. You often, like, you often enter into that part of the show by saying, do you want to talk about what this thing looks like? And I'm like, was I supposed to do that? Oh no no! Oh yeah, I guess it's a, <laughs> <laughs> like I guess like, we we are gonna talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it, and you're gonna listen. I'm gonna nod. So this is a medium length snake with a dark brown back and a bright yellow belly. Believe it or not, uh, spanning its entire body length. So it's countershaded, a lot like many oceanic animals. If you don't remember what countershading is, it means it has a light underbelly. And then a dark overbelly, back. <laughs> um, like a you know a great white shark or uh, you know a whale or something like that, so that when an animal is looking up at this animal, it the white the the light underbelly blends in with the the sun and and the the lighter surface, and if you're above the animal and you're looking down, uh, the dark back looks blends in with the uh, the darkness of the deep. So that's how this, that's just a form of uh, basic camouflage that a lot of animals have. And the yellow-bellied sea snake has it. Although there are uh, some forms that are entirely yellow, which totally just uh, kicks that whole theory out the window. Um, just, just yellow all around. Uh, the tail is a very, very light yellow, possibly white, depending on uh, the shade. Uh, and it has these black cow spots. Um... So it looks just like a you know black and white dairy cow <laughs> spots. It's kind of interesting. Like the, it looks like it, it loves Chick Fil A and it's trying to get a free sandwich. <laughs> um, and uh, it has a very long and thin head. Uh, you know, not very long, but in comparison to its body, in comparison to other animals like a viper, uh, it has that long tri that wide triangular head. Uh, 
it's you know it's in contrast to that very long and thin instead uh, it kind of looks like a garden snake's head um, and I, I don't want to go too much further into the description because it factors into the major fact I think so I'll just leave it there so it's a basically just picture a medium length snake with a dark brown back and a bright yellow belly and a little thin head and yeah and a, a, a chick-fil-a paraphernalia on its tail <laughs> paraphernalia i think the yellow all yellow ones are younger snakes are they yeah when they're small they're all yellow i think i saw it was like bright yellow form so i don't know if it's just yeah. like i don't know if if it's just like they're super saiyan mode this isn't even my final form. Yeah, if they you if see they, my Chick Fil A form, <laughs> if they if they absorb enough spirit energy, uh, they become entirely yellow, um, and then can start to move planets around. You really don't want to mess with these guys when they turn completely yellow. The, would you like to know how big they are? Yeah, There's I mean, no, not really. That. That is the measure, the beloved measure of segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have, we had have a, a new measure up intro this week. Someone's chittered. Right? I think we've done a chitter, yeah. I think your sister uh, chittered measure up that that rings true that means we get to hear from an animal and carlos has to guess what it is i recently it's been going really well i think the last one i whiffed on it but there was a i think there was i had a streak of like four so let's see if we can we can catch it again this one might be a little harder without further ado 25 percent chance the listener's favorite part of the show. The guy going, uh, is not part of it. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm confused and disturbed. Uh, was uh, so these are all. I'm gonna give you four real birds, four real names of four real birds. Is it a, a magnificent frigate? B, a satanic nightjar, another satanic animal is out there. Along with the leaf gecko, yeah. Yeah. C, the little bustard. <laughs> like like mustard with a B. That's Tubby Bustard to you. <laughs> or D, the Tiny Sky Tyrant. Wow. Why don't we do more birds? Because <laughs> they have interesting names, but they're not really that fascinating on their own. Yeah. Magnificent good for... Frigate. Satanic yeah. Nightjar. Um, Buster Baxter. And whatever the last thing you the said. tiny sky tyrant. Tiny sky tyrant. Um, I mean, at this point, I've almost completely forgotten what the sound of the thing was, but I there's, I really do have a twenty five percent chance on this one because I'm guessing out of the blue. Um, 
Tiny Sky Tyrant. Why not? Tiny Sky Tyrant. Final this answer. It's uh, being a tyrant to this poor man who's groaning in the background. Final answer? Yes. The correct answer was Magnificent Frigate. Oh, that was, that was between the two. Yeah, Just you may have seen this kind of bird. Those are my two. Those are my two favorite names out of the four. So I was just gonna go with whichever one I fancied. It's, a, it's like a black seabird with a big red protrude uh, throat that oh, inflates. I do know what you're talking about. The magnificent. Uh, but the tiny sky tyrant is tiny. Frigate. The magnificent. I want to see it. Frigate. I would like to see the baby. Beautiful. There's another. There's you other tyrant a- birds. We'll assume that everything is fine then. Glad I'm not Okie the one dokie. So, let's talk length. Females are slightly longer at 88 centimeters or 35 inches. How many yellow-bellied sea snakes go into their typical max dive depth? That's something I Here- probably could have accidentally researched, but I didn't. Lucky you. Here's a hint. Sea snakes are often observed in oceanic drift lines, which are ribbons of floating seaweed, debris, and driftwood. Did you have that as a fact? No. Good, because these drift lines can stretch for miles and act as natural meeting places for pelagic animals. Yeah, but I'm going. I'm doing their depth, right? Yes. Max depth, so... I do know that they can dive for long periods of time, thanks to a special ability they have. 200 feet? That seems like a lot for a little snake, for a three-foot snake. But we'll go with it. Uh, I should be able to do 200 divided by three in my head, but I won't. The answer is 66. My answer is 66. 66 snakes sinking in the sea surreptitiously 66 sea snakes sinking in the sea surreptitiously final answer say yeah yes final answer c uh the correct answer is 56.8 whoa that was close uh whoa they so the answer was what like 170 feet 50 meters or 164 feet ah wow Oh, I'm I'm pleased. I was my first instinct was to say a thousand. So <laughs> glad I didn't go with that. My knowledge of yeah. of actually scuba diving helped a little bit there, because I know that a thousand feet is ridiculously deep. It is. It's a that's it's a sper- Empire like a State death. Building deep. Let's talk weight. They're about forty eight grams. Okay. I forgot to get that in American. Yes, tell tell me what it is in freedom units, please. 48 grams. Can you tell me how many cocaines that is? 48 grams to feet. To Impossible. feet. <laughs> well, 1.6 ounces. So how many yellow belly sea snakes go into the heaviest pumpkin ever recorded? What does this have to do with anything? It's just October. Oh. It's just okay. Just theme. When you can't theme it on this, the animal, you theme it on the times. True words have never been spoken. Um, I 
Well, you don't have a hint? You're not going to interrupt me with a hint? I do have a hint. The pumpkin was grown by Matthias Will Willemans. There's a J in there. Uh, it was grown in October 2016 in Germany. This record has been beaten five times in as many years before it was solidified by Matthias. A thousand pounds. It seems... I'm just picturing a massive pumpkin, like something you would ride to the ball in if it were enchanted. So a thousand pounds. Car-sized. Carriage-sized. So we're going to do our normal math. The answer is exactly on on the nose. Ten thousand snakes. Ten thousand snakes. Did you say 1.6 ounces? 48 grams. Oh, so... What I said was like upper upper end for the for the length. Yeah, 1.3, 1.6. Yeah, 47, 48 grams approximately. An adult total an adult with a length of 49 centimeters. So this is probably more average. It's about half the size of the one we were the upper end, which is what we were talking about. A foot and a half snake about this big. 1.6 ounces. All right, I, my answer is still 10,000. I can't believe that snake is that light. Well, the correct answer is 25,329.5 ah. sea snakes. The pumpkin was 1,190.49 kilograms, kilograms or yeah. 2,624 libs. That is a big pumpkin that I want to smash is a, it. yeah i wonder what they did with it i wonder if they ate it i wonder if big pumpkins taste good i'm i'm not a huge fan of pumpkin in general i like the smell of this pumpkin spice candle i have but that's about it well that's all i got for that do you have any quick facts before we get into the big fact i sure do all right so we should talk about where this thing lives it uh I mean, it pretty it lives all over the place. It's basically <laughs> along almost all of the coasts of the Indian and Pacific Oceans uh, around the equator. So all along the east coast of Africa and the islands there, uh, all along the coast of India, um, you know, all of Southeast Asia, Australia, North Australia, all the way up to the Koreas. And then even all the way over to the west coast of North and Central America and northern Peru. So they are all over the place, uh, except the Atlantic and Arctic Oceans. They like warm waters that are close to land. And uh, ultimately, they are one of the most widely distributed snakes in the world. And is the only sea snake that has has a native range around Hawaii. Uh, and it, it's been sighted in the Atlantic, uh, but that is not considered its native range. Most likely, it's be, it's uh, being pulled in as ballast. So I think we've mentioned it before. Uh, oftentimes, um, pelagic animals, meaning animals that live in the open ocean, are sucked into ships as they uh, as they take on water based on their weight in order to uh, be as stable as possible um so they will they'll take in a certain amount of water 
to sink down to a certain amount so that they are they're stable and not too far up and that often takes in a bunch of animals from one place and then they sail to the other end of the world and drop them off uh so they end up being where they're not supposed to be and that's probably why we've seen them in the atlantic you need a fine Uh, mesh filter you need a fine mesh filter but i'm sure there's a reason they don't do that (laughs) Because it would be clogged up with uh, sea life, uh, like mush, <laughs> or it would just take been, that, way too long to to take in the water. Maybe. Um, so they the yellow-bellied sea snake eats small reef and open water fish. Uh, they specifically like to float on the surface of the water, pretending to be floating seaweed. Uh, and then fish will come up to find food or shelter, and then are, they are treated to an unhealthy dose of neurotoxins, which is basically any neurotoxins is an unhealthy dose. Um, sea snake venom is particularly bad in terms of venom in general uh, across the animal kingdom, and it will quickly cause paralysis, respiratory def- depression and kidney failure or renal failure which are three things you really don't want to happen when you are swimming in the ocean um and you really don't want them to happen in general to be honest the uh fishermen are the most common human victims they will catch them in their nets and uh and get bit as they're trying to remove them they report that the initial bite is practically painless so that's nice you can look forward to that but then you also get to look forward to dizziness difficulty swallowing nausea weakness shortness of breath etc and then the three things i mentioned earlier paralysis respiratory depression and kidney failure i uh, can even land you in a coma it is very very potent um and it we've mentioned this before but it is a concept that is difficult to understand uh the way that they measure the potency of venom or just toxins in general is called the LD50 level, Mm. um, which stands for lethal dose 50%. So what they'll do is they will administer the toxin to a group of animals of various species, and the amount of toxin that it takes to kill 50% of those animals is the LD50 level. And it is really, really low for uh, sea snake venom where it would be a lot higher for, say, like spider venom or something like that. Um, And super high for, uh, you know, like 7-Up. But it's only that's only really a measure for animals, so it's tough to tell exactly what that level would be for humans. But we can use this level to compare it to other venoms. Um, It is not the most uh, lethal venom in the world, um, or even in snakes. But it is, it's up there. And almost all sea snakes have a very potent venom. So uh, steer clear of them if you see them. Um, overall, the, the behaviors, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave in your camp, Joe. Uh, but they do live their whole lives in the ocean. And uh, they use ocean currents, as you mentioned earlier, to basically go all over the place. They are world travelers. And uh, yeah. that, that's all I got. Okay. So let's talk about the major fact, which is the fact that they are made for the sea. 
And so they it. are different than other snakes in several ways. The yellow-bellied sea snake is a genuine ocean reptile. It's a true snake of the sea, which means a, a true sea snake is not going to willingly leave water. There are untrue, unfaithful sea snakes that uh, like to swim in the water, but they will also go on land and tisk, not have a tisk. horrible time. Commit. <laughs> You're lukewarm. The ocean spits you out of its <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's uh, revelation snakes serpents it all works one of the most obvious aquatic adaptations is its body shape sea snakes have flat bodies like an eel uh their body tapers to keel to to a keel like a boat like a, a banana keel yeah key a banana it, keel like an eel it's key and peel put together yeah this but helps yes, with I assume this helps with aquadynamics helps them to swim it's the thing quickly. yeah it's the thing that allows uh, boats to stay streamlined it's also the thing that during keel hauling they'll chuck somebody overboard with a rope and drag them underneath the, the boat uh, as a punishment to not get tickled n- by barnacles not, not now I suppose hopefully not now uh, on most snakes ventral scales which is the Scales on their bellies are the longest or the largest scales. Big, long, smooth scales to uh, to glide across the ground with. But ventral scales are comparably small on sea snakes because of that tapered keel. So they're at the bottom of this ridge. They're little tiny scales. But it gets more interesting when you look at what's underneath the surface. Get it? It's an ocean snake. It's underneath the surface all of the time. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. The first oddity is their lungs. Unlike eels, snake sea snakes do not have gills. And they have to turn return to the surface of the ocean to breathe. But they spend as much as ninety percent of their time underneath underwater. Underneath the water. There's a word for that. It's underwater. How do they how do they do that? How do they spend so much time down under? Uh, um, the average snake has a pair of lungs that runs, well, I shouldn't say the average. The, the average land snake uh, has a pair of lungs that runs from their neck to about halfway down their body. Sea snakes uh, have lungs that are much longer, running almost the full length of their bodies. Hmm. So they're, they're they're just full on they're just full lung, they're long lungs, long lungs, lovely That's long fun lungs. Word. Fun phrase. Mm-hmm. That's what I should. That's, that should <laughs> lovely have been lanky the... long lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, I don't like it. So most sea snakes can hold their breath for up to thirty minutes, but true sea snakes like our like our friend the yellow belly can last for longer. They may last underwater as much as 90 minutes without having to come up for air. Wow, I saw that some, some can stay down for like eight hours. Other species. Of sea snakes? Yeah. That's interesting because like that's more than whales. Even 90 more minutes is more than whales. And whales. Yeah. They were smarter than And primates. turtles and 
hippos and other animals that spend most of their time underwater or yeah. sorry underneath the water yes they're not technically underneath the water either even either there's water above them so they are underneath some water that's just not all of it when you say the water big 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 water we used uh we used to think that sea snakes didn't need to drink fresh fresh water but how silly we were back then (laughs) when we were younger and naive earlier they do need to drink fresh water (laughs) yeah but when i say we i mean humanity humans Today, I, I didn't think about it. Before today, I had no thoughts about it. But now, now I see the truth. But where do they get fresh water? On the ocean, of course. That's right, on the ocean. Precipitation gathers on the surface of the ocean. And sea snakes are apparently able to drink this like rain and dew like someone who only likes the heads of beer. Just, just skimming off the top. Slurping up the top. Yeah. Like uh like someone embezzling. Like They're fresh embezzlers. cream. Uh I which th- I, I don't I th- that that threw that me happens. for a loop because fresh water is more dense than salt water. You're more buoyant in salt water than you are in fresh water. So I would assume that the fresh water would just sink down and mix, but Wait, say that again? You're salt Salt, salt water is uh, less dense than fresh water, water, which means that the fresh water oh, should sink yeah. into the salt water and mix or collect at the bottom or something like that. Um, but it seems like it stays on top for a little bit. For at least a little bit. Maybe it, you need they need to get it like fresh. Yeah, that's what I was saying is that it was um, fresh. I actually did some of the research here not knowing that this was your major fact. If you dump just a ton of water, fresh water, onto salt water, I'm sure that on the top there will be few less salt for a little while. For a little A good bit, amount yeah. less. But when there isn't any ocean dew, they can survive without water for about three months. Which is three, good. I, I saw seven. Oh, yeah? On Wikipedia. It could be. I, I saw I mean I I saw a study, but All right. I trust the study, not Wikipedia. It could be old. But that makes sense because they don't go really go up on land and who knows when it's gonna rain. Like their only source of water is I hope that it rains and I'm there for it. They can also drink brackish water up to fifty percent seawater. Well that makes sense because I imagine that if you dumped a bunch of fresh water onto salt water, it would at best be brackish. Most drink at lower brackish values, uh, and 20% of snakes test that were tested did not drink at all. <laughs> uh, moreover, some individuals dr- drank fresh water immediately following capture, providing preliminary evidence that palamies, which is the uh, genus, dehydrate at, at sea. They're like, oh, thank you so much for fresh water. They do spend time on the coast, so maybe they come in to, like, Estuaries to drink. Brackish water. Interessante. They're less dependent on fresh water. <clears throat> uh, that's all I got. Did you mention that they absorb water through their skin? Or uh, oxygen through their skin? I did not. Yeah, so that was the um, 
that was why they can die for long periods of time is because they can part they can't absorb all the oxygen they need for like a long for like a you know the long term um but that's how that's another reason why they can stay down for so long is because um they can't absorb it through their skin their skin is just a big partial lung in the water yeah the oxygen from the water into the skin this species can take up to 33 percent of its if its oxygen requirements through the skin while diving and swimming at the surface of the water it has cutaneous gas exchange which means i think we um gas exchange through the skin we've talked about somebody else that does that there's definitely like frogs will uh drink through their skin I don't know if I've Cutaneous we've encountered an animal that has uh that breathes through the skin. Maybe we have. But yeah, that's interesting. That'd be really helpful <laughs> for basically any any non-fish that lives in any uh any animal that doesn't have gills that spends all its time in the ocean uh definitely wishes it had cutaneous gas exchange. <laughs> like yeah, seals. I mean I I do. You imagine you that could just put your hand in the water and, and do some breathing. Um, yeah, seals, seals, and p- pinnipeds and cetaceans. Look at us, dugongs, using our using our uh, classification taxonomy knowledge. But yeah, that's all you get. I saw that they were literally riders of the storm, meaning they use storms to get around. Huh. They ride, so I bet that also helps them drink. They probably love storms. I would. You get tossed around a bit. Maybe it's like a car with death. a water bottle in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you, I and I, I was like, you know what? I have no idea what dolphins and whales drink, and they drink salt water. But they also get fresh water out of the food they eat. And ocean birds can filter out salt water as salt out of the water as well through their noses yeah i know that uh marine iguanas have like a special ability to like get rid of salt excess salt because they're just munching on saltwater plants so like they'd be forgiven for thinking that this snake has this because this because the yellow-bellied sea snake has a salt gland um but it and so they're forgive. I I forgive them personally. I don't know for, for thinking that they use that salt gland to fill to drink salt water and then filter out the salt. But clearly they were they were uh, as wrong as you can be. They're, basically, this study is saying that it's like an advanced stage of adaptation to full marine life, whereas oh, so a maybe dolphin is like end stage adaptation because maybe they'll drink yeah maybe they'll either do full or maybe both they'll do full uh cutaneous oxygen uh gas exchange so they don't ever have to surface um and they'll uh be able to filter salt water and drink it and then you'll just they'll just be and then maybe their their habitat will go below the surface and they'll start eating different things. Who knows what the next several thousand years will bring. 
<laughs> the 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 business trajectory of the sea snake. Yeah, you got a 10x. Whatever that means for a sea snake. That this is a really interesting snake, actually. Sea snakes are are pretty fascinating. Crazy toxic venom. Uh and waiting until it rains to drink the water off the top of the ocean. That's pretty great. So, for you out there in Podcastia, go with the currents. Tour the world's oceans. And don't drink the salt water like the yellow-bellied sea snake here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> blast off. Testing, testing. Bup, bup. Yeah, blast off like William Shatner did today. Did he die? No, he he went to space on oh. a um, Blue Origin rocket. You know, um, the dragon, whatever, SpaceX's dragon... Um, splashed down off the coast of Jacksonville, and Bibby thought we were we had an intruder. <laughs> I didn't even wake up. Like it was really loud. Yeah, it was like a big boom, and uh, like people were reporting that they thought that somebody was breaking into their house. Huh. Like it was the sonic boom of it of it um, passing over us and landing in the. In the Atlantic. So, yeah, he's been officially labeled a disturber of the peace. <laughs>